Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, and on today's episode, we are stepping a little bit outside my wheelhouse to talk about Wimbledon and the tennis tournament. I'm going to be joined by Sports Ethos professional tennis handicapper, Fish Fisher, to break it all down for you guys. He is really, really good at this, and he really knows his stuff. I've seen him posting consistently in the Sports Ethos community. I've seen him winning very consistently. I've seen his approach to handicapping. And although I am not too much of a tennis guy myself, I know that he is a better worth trusting. So that's why I'm going to be joined by him and hopefully give you guys some winning cashing tickets if you guys are tennis fans. So here's my conversation with Fish. You can find him on Twitter at Fish underscore Fisher 4 and anywhere in the Sports Ethos community, in the Discord channel, or on the Sports Ethos Wager Pass. Enjoy this conversation, guys. All right, welcome back. I am now joined by Fish Fisher, the Sports Ethos Pro Tennis Handicapper. How are you doing today, Fish? Thank you for joining me. On yeah, the I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So we got Wimbledon starting what Monday it's June 27th it begins yep. and I wanted to have you on as like a pre-Wimbledon pod I used to be a big tennis fan but to take you behind the curtain and some of my listeners behind the curtain who don't know this about me I've actually had tons of back problems in my life so I play I used to play a lot of tennis but I've had so many I've actually had back surgeries that I can't twist anymore so uh, I can't pick up a racket and play anymore so it just kind of makes me sad to watch and like like Joe Wilfred Sanga used to just be my absolute guy and uh, now I have to just kind of sit back it's the same thing for golf so golf and tennis I'm not really in the weeds anymore and I don't bet it anymore I used to bet it in my early days but I don't simply because I don't watch it and I don't keep up with it enough but that's why we're going to lean on you because I've seen you on Twitter in the Sports Ethos Discord channel, on our wager pass, and we'll let my listeners know where they could find you. But you are crushing it, my friend. From the start of when I joined the Sports Ethos community, you've been one of the best and most consistent handicappers, and that's why I felt very confident to have you on the, <coughs> to have you on the pod and have my listeners lean on your advice. Let's jump right into things. Um, who do you think's winning this tournament? Who do you have winning the tournament, and do you think there's value in betting that line on them to win it in the future? Yeah, market? so first of all, thank you for that uh, very kind introduction. Um, yeah, so Novak Djokovic is going to win Wimbledon. Um, he's one of the largest favorites that I've actually ever seen for a tennis major. Um, he's at about minus 130 right now to win it all. Um, so I expected him to be around even money, um, and I actually put three units on him uh, a few weeks ago when he was at even money. Um, they have now juiced him uh, quite heavily. Um, so, I mean, mathematically, there's just not a lot of value in that number. Um, I think there's some more creative ways that you can bet on Djokovic to win Wimbledon. Um, for example, um, I have two bets. Uh, uh, final outcome, Djokovic to beat Berrettini uh, in the final, plus 175. And Djokovic to beat Nadal in the final, plus 250. Um, so like that's two bets I have on Djokovic winning the title essentially, but, um, you know, by getting a little more creative with it, you can get some really good odds on two, uh, two very likely outcomes. Um, 
So, you know, Djokovic, I do think Djokovic wins the tournament, um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend laying all that juice if I were you. Yeah, I went and checked out the odds before because I knew we were talking and I was doing some prep and I saw Djokovic is a minus 130 favorite versus the field. And I was like, this is wild. This kind of reminds me of old Tiger Woods days of like, it's who you think is going to win the Masters, Tiger Woods versus yeah. the field. Um, so I, I've never seen something like that for betting tournaments. I know, I mean, even in Federer's heyday and Nadal's, I mean, probably Nadal in the French. Is, he, is Nadal a favorite going into the French like um, this? So, um, like I said, I since I've started betting, I've never seen someone this big of a favorite. Um, you know, maybe back yeah. in the early 2000s, Nadal reached this level. Um, yeah, like a 26-year-old 20, Nadal right. in the French Open on the um, play. Yeah. Minus 200 to start the <laughs> tournament. <laughs> and it's a safe bet, nonetheless. Right. Um, let, me, let me ask you, Fish. Um, is there anyone that has a big name. I, I know you mentioned Nadal. He's a seven to one. I saw Andy Murray, 70 to one. Is there any other players besides Djokovic with a big name that you think might perform well on the big stage? Yeah. So first of all, I just want to make this very clear. If you take one thing away from this podcast, let it be this, please do not place a single cent on Sir Andy Murray. <laughs> um, I love the guy. Um, the fact of the matter is he's 35 years old and has a surgically replaced metal hip. Um, we saw on Stuttgart that his body broke down at the end of a one-week two-set tournament. He had multiple medical timeouts in that final when he lost to Barantini. Um, and now you're asking him to play a two-week five-set tournament. Um, his body just its not going to hold up um, over that long period of time. Um, any tennis major is, you know, a, a huge strain on the body, and that's especially true for him. So please do not bet on him. But um, some big names that I do like, yeah. Um, so Hubie Hercatch is uh, at eleven to one um, to win it all, and um, he has a very, very favorable draw. I think he's basically going to have a cakewalk to the semis. Um, so there's some definitely some value on there. Um, and Nadal and at seven to one, and Berrettini at six to one. Again, mathematically, there is some good value on those bets. Um, it's pretty rare to get Nadal at seven to one odds to do anything. Um, but I would I would recommend being careful with those. Um, you know, if you want to take her cash at plus eleven and, and potentially hedge out, it's certainly an option. Um, but as I said, I, I don't don't get too uh, be careful. You don't get too overexposed on the, the to win the tournament futures. Um, just because of, of how dominant Djokovic is, is supposed to be here. Okay. Uh, great insight. I think, if like like if you said, if someone has a favorable draw, like you said, Herbie, Hubie yeah. Hercatch, personally, I don't know him, um, then if he's, if he's 11 to 1 and he's got a cakewalk to the semis, it makes sense to lay a little juice on him at the 11 to 1 not necessarily with the hope that he's going to cash that 11 to 1 ticket but the hope that he's going to reach the semis cuz you're playing a futures ticket and then what you do is you start coming in whereas matches get a little bit dicey you start coming back in on the other side and hedge that ticket cuz if you have an 11 to 1 ticket with a guy going into the top 4 
that's you, you've locked in yourself profit if you play yeah that uh, thanks for clarifying that that's exactly right um yeah Herkatch, um i actually have a, a bet on him to win his quarter as well at plus 200 i recommend betting that um he's a a, a polish uh pro um who just won a, a grass tournament in berlin earlier this year he's got a really big serve um and uh, beat Medvedev in Wimbledon last year um, on his way to the quarters. Um, so he's a he's a really good Great. player. Awesome. What about on the ladies' side? Uh, I see Serena Williams thirty to one, Simone Halep sixteen to one, my girl Madison Keys fifty-five to one. Do you like any of those names on the um, ladies' side? Yeah. So uh, if we're talking, you know, kind of big name long shots, um, uh, Emma Raducanu at thirty-five to one, um, the U.S. Open champion. She's really had some kind of I don't know the word. Um, She's had some kind of uh, focus issues lately, it seems like. She doesn't seem like she's really getting a lot of joy out of tennis. But um, I think these odds are very long for her um, on uh, you know, home soil in Britain. And I think she could really turn turn things around and kind of get back into, into form here. So I do think that's one of the, the big names that I think there's some value on um, for the women's side. What about the extreme long shots so i was looking at some of the odds and like i said i used to be a big tennis fan so some of these names that have been around for a while like stand out to me is the stan rinkas gail monfils those guys 250 to one on both of those right like when i used to be betting tournaments those were the guys at six to one eight to one nine to one who maybe could top a federer or a nadal um those guys are at 250 to one and they're even underdogs in their first matchup. Like there, I was surprised to see that. Do you like any of those guys, uh, kind of the longer veterans to come out and perform? Well, again, not necessarily to win the entire tournament, but if you have a 250 to one ticket, you're almost hedge. You're almost hoping they just advance past the first round and even get to the second round where before you start hedging. Yeah. So, um, there's definitely some value on Stan Vavrinka who you mentioned at 250 to one. When we get into discussing first round bets, I'll elaborate a little more on, on Stan. Um, but there's definitely value there. It's just that, you know, again, he hasn't played a lot of tennis recently. He's old. His body's going to wear down. Um, my personal favorite long shot is, um, going to keeping with my young Brits theme. Um, you have Jack Draper sitting at 300 to one. Um, he's a young guy who loves the grass. This is his favorite surface. He just made a semifinal in Eastbourne last week, and he's another one with a very favorable draw. Um, I like him to get through the first two rounds actually without any real sweat. And so when you're getting a guy at 300 to one that I think has a clear uh, shot to the third round, um, there's a lot of value on that bet. Yeah, that that's what I love to hear. Like, I don't know Jack Draper. Um, sounds like the guy from uh, Mad Men. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, but if I hear that there's a guy sitting at 300 to one with a, an easy first two rounds in the draw, that's something that's very, very appealing. Let's talk. Let's jump into those first round matchups. Go ahead and talk to me about who do you like playing over the next few days, and where do their odds sit that you are that you will be playing personally? Yeah. So I didn't plan it like this, but weirdly, I ended up just kind of naturally liking a lot of underdogs in the first round. Um, so uh, um, Hubie Hercatch, who I mentioned earlier, he's minus two and a half sets um, against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and that's at plus money about plus 105, 103, depending on your book. 
Um, and a, a Davidovich Fokina is just a clay a clay guy. Um, he hates the grass, and so getting plus money on her catch to win the straight sets is a great bet there. Um, and then I mentioned Stan Vavrinka. Um, I do like him plus four and a half games against Sinner. Um, Sinner is another guy who doesn't really like the grass. Um, he's uh, hasn't played a lot recently, um, but I also like the over in that game, thirty nine and a half, or in that match over thirty nine and a half games. Um, I think Stan comes out early uh, and wins the first set, um, covers that set spread, but I think his body will wear down eventually, and I could see Sinner pushing that one over. Um, Struff plus five and a half games against Alcaraz. Um, and Alcaraz, again, very inexperienced on uh, grass, and he tends to struggle with the guys who don't make a lot of mistakes on serve. He lost to Alexander Zverev in uh, the French Open because um, Zverev was putting in 70% of his serves. Um, and that's something that Struff can do well. Um, so you're getting a lot of games there. Um, Bublik minus two and a half games against Fuskovics. Um, Bublik, you know, he can be stressful to bet on just because he has some anger management issues. Um, but uh, he loves the grass um, and he tends to step up in majors. So I, I like him. Sounds like me. On the <laughs> sure. Uh, I know I'm going through these kind of rapid fire, but. No, go yeah. for it. Go for it. Right. I love um, and then Felix Alger Aliassime, uh, one of my favorite names, going up against Cressy. I have the over 41 and a half games there. Uh, you might not see a single break in that entire uh, match. Two guys that I love to serve the ball well. Um, and uh, I also like Cressy, plus four games as the underdog there. He's coming off a of final in Eastbourne. Um, and then we have uh, Hugo Gaston, uh, one of my few money line bets, um, plus 143. Um, against Alexei Paparin. Um, the guy has the nickname Graston. Um, it's mostly a joke, but he does really like grass. Um, and he's a big... Uh, I had this... Also sound. <laughs> I had this uh, actually... Um, I had this line set almost to a toss-up. Um, so this is a ton of value on, on Gaston here. Um, Arthur uh, Raiderkench, um, plus four and a half games and the money line, plus 213 against Denis Shapovalov. So Shapo famously, uh, you know, made the semis here last year, had a total breakout year. Um, but this year he is 0-3 on grass and just hasn't looked right at all. Um, so getting those big, uh, big numbers on Arthur is, is great value. And finally, um, Taylor Fritz minus two and a half sets against Musetti. You can get that at even money. Um, Musetti was, had to leave his last match with an injury. Um, and he's another one who hates the grass against Fritz, who's coming off a title. Um, Fritz is, uh, um, I think going to take care of business in that match. Amazing. Okay. When you have tournaments like this and you have a bracket situation, right? So we've just evaluated some first round matchups, but when you have a bracket, you know who the future matchups are. So you even said like, I like this person's first two matchups. So let's talk about going down the line because you know, this is probably going to be the only time I do a Wimbledon-focused pod for my listeners. So as this tournament plays out, if it goes accordingly and you have future matchups that you like, where do you see value and where are you hoping to get a matchup? So, I mean, like, I hope this isn't too confusing. What I'm saying is, like, going into the NBA playoffs, to, to give you an example, Fish, going into the NBA playoffs... I wanted the Celtics versus the Heat so badly because I wanted the Celtics line because I knew it would be priced fairly and I knew the Celtics were the better team. So when the playoff bracket came out, it was unfortunate for me 
that they weren't going to meet until the Eastern Conference Finals. But I was still hopeful. If I ever get Celtics heat, I'm going to pound the Celtics line in the series. Eventually, it did happen. And immediately when that line dropped, I was all over it. So is there a situation like that for you where you're like, okay, when these two people play, I'm going to be all over this side? Yeah, definitely. So um, I mentioned Jack Draper earlier. Uh, in the second round, he's looking going to face Alex Dimonar. Um, if Draper's money line is uh, bettable, anything, you know, 130 or better, absolutely, absolutely hammer that. I can't wait for it, that matchup. I think Draper's going to dismantle him. That's a great one. Um, and then talking more deep down the road, um, Taylor Fritz, who I just mentioned, um, if he's uh, an underdog at any point uh, against Felix Alger-Arazim, that's the um, um, projected fourth round. Um, if you can get Fritz as an underdog, absolutely bet it. I think Fritz is going to um, win that matchup if he faces Felix. I think he's going to take care of business all the way until um, the, the quarterfinals. Um, so if at any point you, you have Fritz as a bettable line, definitely, definitely take advantage of that one. And then how does your unit distribution work for these things? Are you playing you know, just straight one units on games? Are you playing smaller amount of units on futures are you how are you approaching this are you splitting up units when you have multiple bets on the same matchup talk to me about your unit distribution yeah so i do uh one unit um for basically every bet um unless the odds are are super massive um so all my first round bets are one unit and and except for my money line against shapovalov that was plus 213 i'll put a half unit on that usually try to bet so i'm winning one unit roughly with all of them. Um, and futures are the exception to that rule. Um, you can kind of mix things up in futures. Um, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, at when he was at even money, I put three units on Djokovic. That's a big bet. Um, and um, I put one unit on my quarter bets. I mentioned her catch. Um, and uh, I put a half unit on some of the more, you know, real big ones, um, like Draper's 300 to 1. I'm not going to do a full unit on that. Um, so uh, I, I do tend to... to uh, you know, mix it up a little bit, but for most of my straight, you know, um, spread and total bets, those are all just one unit. And last question for you, are there situations with line movement or spread movement where you say, okay, I, this is a situation I want to jump on early, or this is a matchup where I think the public is going to be on this side. So if I wait a bit until before, you know, first serve, then I'll get better odds by waiting. Yeah. So, um, as a general rule, I like to bet early. Um, I think that, um, you know, with, with tennis, because there's so much happening, you know, in first round of Wimbledon, there's 64 matches that they have to handicap, the books do. Um, you're more likely to find value, you know, early on, um, on tournaments, on bets. Um, once it gets closer to first serve, um, then the, by then the books are smarter, I guess you could say. Like now they've gotten collected bets for you know a day or so. They've gotten more data. Um, those lines are going to be really sharp close to uh, close to first serve. Um, so my bet, my my advice is often to bet you know relatively as early as possible. Um, there are times when I'm you know refreshing, literally refreshing my books, waiting for the line to drop um, because I like to to get it as soon as I can before uh, you know the books have time to to catch up. So, Fish, if you're getting your lines as soon as possible, tell my listeners where you're posting your plays, where they could find you, and where they could tail along if they want to, if, assuming you dominate these first-round matchups that you just yeah. gave us. 
and my listeners want to come back to the well for future plays, where can we yeah, find Yeah, so uh, I do love the grass season. Um, it's my favorite time of the tennis calendar, so now is definitely the time to get on board. Um, so my Twitter handle is at fish underscore fisher4, um, just like it sounds. Um, that's probably the easiest place to find me. I, I, I retweet all uh all the stuff um, with my, where my plays can be found. Um, but also, I'm very glad to be employed by a Sports Ethos, um, particularly in their wagering department. You can find them on Twitter at Ethos Wagering. Um, that's where I post most of my plays is in their wager pass um, and, and with their website. Um, so definitely check out Sports Ethos uh, if you haven't yet. They're a, a great company. Awesome. Thank you, Fish. I appreciate having you on. I hope we can do this what is it, like only two months until the U.S. Open? Yes, sir. Uh, always the start of football and the finals of the U.S. Open at the same time. I, that Sunday is always a wild one. All right, Fish, thanks again, man. Appreciate having you on, and my listeners will come find you, and we will be hearing from you. Yeah, shortly. thanks. Appreciate it.